And welcome back. George Norrie along with Vincent Vargas. His book is called Borderline Defending the Home Front. Just came out. Vince, these uh, traffickers, how much do they charge the uh, immigrant to illegally come into the country per head? It, it actually changes and depends on the where the immigrant might be from, as well as the distance of travel that they're expecting to take them. And so, I mean, it could be 2000 it could be 1000 it could be 5000 it, it, it changes per, per trip. Where do they get their money? Some of these migrants are working for years just to be able to afford this trip. It's their whole life, isn't it? It is. Those are, you know, some of the people who, you know, they, they don't have this high education. They don't have access to the Internet. They don't have access to the information they need to, to understand that there's a legal process of doing it and how to do it. How difficult is it to file for legal immigration to get in the United States from Mexico or any other place? Uh, it, it's, it's not difficult per se, but it does cost money. Uh, you know, they'd probably have to find a lawyer, an immigration lawyer, to help uh, file the paperwork, as well as looking for a sponsor here in America that's going to support the cause. And so... It could be a little bit of a challenge. There's, there's a, those are some of the things that we need to address down the road of how we streamline this process and make it so. But, you know, there is we, – we did allow 1.5 million immigrants to come to America legally. And so there also has to be some kind of quota or a max that we can allow per year uh, just so we can have – you know, we can actually have the resources to fulfill all of it. Well, our country was based on immigration, and it worked back in the 20s, didn't it? We are as a country, yeah. Absolutely. What is BORTAC and BORSTAR? BORTAC and BORSTAR are two different special operations units in the military, uh, similar to Army Rangers, Navy SEALs. Uh, BORTAC is our tactical unit. Uh, They do any kind of tactical response, high warrants, high-risk warrants, or even escape convict uh, type mission. And then as well as you have as well as, sorry, they also do things like to disrupt uh, trafficking organization missions. And then you have Borstar, which is kind of their search trauma and rescue units that, to rescue anyone in the borders who are in distress. But also there's a branch of them who are tactical medics who attach to Bortec as the medic for them. How many immigrants are sneaking in through the Gulf of Mexico or the uh, southern part of California? number on that at all, sir. I'm, I am not sure exactly. Do you think it's high, though? I think there's a good number, yes, absolutely. Uh, this is, it's like an epidemic, Vince. Yeah, it's, we, we're, we're, we're dealing with some interesting times, you know, with policies that don't support, uh, you know, uh, any kind of repercussion, as well as, you know, just the, the nation itself is divided on this topic, and, you know, there's a lot of confusion exactly what's going on, but... We, we definitely feel like we have our hands tied on this situation. Amazing. Let's take some calls. You ready? Yes, sir. Let's start with Jeff in North Dakota. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeffrey, go ahead. Hi, George. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Vincent, also. I don't know if you guys are aware of this today, but Texas announced that they are no longer going to put up with illegal immigration. They're going to start finding people and sending them back. And also... Um, I worked, you know, I moved out to California uh, back in the mid-80s where I met my wife. She was born in Aguas Calientes, Mexico. And when I met her and married her, she had a green card. So when I married her, she became legal. And that's how it was then. But 
back then, a lot of people don't know this is what California used to do because I was a teamster also. You could not get a job illegally if you were a union guy. They wouldn't do it. I worked for the biggest concrete company in Southern California at the time. And um, so my wife's work, they were so nervous because back then in California, you got fined $15,000 for each person you hired illegally. So my wife became a citizen twice when I married her, and then she went to citizen school, and we just had our uh, 35th wedding anniversary. So this is things a lot of people don't know how it used to be. I don't know why they don't bring back those laws, but if they bring back those laws, it would really do a deterrent. And also, um, and also, uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, you know we have these laws that they've been put on the back burner. So I didn't know if you guys heard, heard of any of that. Talk about that. And by the way, uh, Jeff, I was with Jimmy Hoffa two months before he disappeared in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Poof, he's gone. But uh, are there any special laws that we should bring back, Vince, that would help this? You know, uh, I don't know. You know, the challenges, you know, when the gentleman mentioned about Texas, is the challenges that states have is that the state can make a determination of what they want to implement, but the Border Patrol will still always be under the federal system. And you've seen images like the Border Patrol agents cutting the barbed wire. Uh, That was all due to the fact that being in Texas in kind of the conflict of two different agencies working on the border. The Border Patrol doesn't put up barbed wire for a reason. Uh, and, and, and for the federal side of things, the, the way they view it as the humanitarian mission that happens when someone enters the country illegally, at that point, we are safeguarding human life. Uh, and then the other, other side, the state, you know, the, police, the law enforcement in the state, you know, they're told what to do on that side as well as National Guard. And so there needs to be, I guess, better communication on what the plan of action is and how uh, the state and the federal system can work together. Who takes precedent, the state or the feds? Well, it's the, whatever uniform you're wearing at the time. You know, the Border Patrol is going to have to follow their their, their organization, and, and the state police are going to have to follow theirs. It's confusing, isn't it? It absolutely is. It, it, that's, it poses a challenge, and that's some of the challenges that, you know, those, those agencies work really well together, but they're both kind of bound by different policy, and so that becomes a challenge. Speaking of Texas, we're going there right now with Brandon. Hey, Brandon, go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, excellent. I just had to make sure. Uh, So that was razor wire, not barbed wire. There's a big difference. And Abbott is a traitor to life and liberty. Uh, I just had to say that. But uh, the law that he was talking about is deporting anybody that uh, is arrested back to Mexico, regardless of their nationality. Most people that are arrested are not even from Mexico. But my point is, is I have two causes and two solutions. And I'll try to be quick. Uh, The first cause is foreign interventionism, that our sanctions, or that's the second one, excuse me. The first one, the interventionism, we deposed all of their governments and destabilized the region of Central and South America. And then the second cause, we sanction them and their economy doesn't work. And we're stable here. So they're going to come over here. We destabilized over there. And the solutions, we have children working at McDonald's for not getting paid. Uh, they're getting sued for that right now. Get the people that want to work, put them in the jobs, get the children, 
put them in school, and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just leave it with that. And then the uh, one last question: While you were out there, thank you for your service, by the way. While you were out there, did you ever see anything weird or UFOs? Our kind of our kind of show, Vincent. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. No, I personally haven't. Uh, I'm sure there are stories of it. You know, I'm a believer. I've seen. I, I've, I've had an experience in the military where I felt like I'd seen a some kind of foreign object. But no, I personally haven't. Uh, you know, there could be some really dark nights, and and it would be definitely advantageous for us to see something like that. But personally, I have not had experience. So if we if we brought in one and a half million legal immigrants every year, how many illegals are coming in? Well, what they when mentioned the numbers that they're saying now currently is somewhere from the five to eight million a year. Uh, yeah, crazy. Wow. Well, well, more so this year than ever. And then, how many go back? Uh, you know, the only time anyone will ever get sent back or, or deported would be to, if they broke a law, as if they're identified, right? So, uh, you know, you, you essentially can go under the radar your whole life until something something happens where now that, you know, they're identified as being illegal. So let's, let's say I live in Lebanon. I fly to Mexico because it's easier to fly there, let's say. And then in once I'm in Mexico, I pack my bags and try to walk into the United States to become a citizen or, or, or an illegal. Will they take me? What do they do with me? Well, who take you? The border border patrol agents. What happens to me? Yeah, anybody. It doesn't matter where you're from. If we identify you coming across illegally, you get apprehended, you get brought to the station, and you get processed. And from that point, that's what the border patrol's job is. Outside of that, they're handed to ICE, who will make a determination on what they do with you. How long does that process take? Uh, you know, we, we kind of have rules to try and mitigate how long they're with us. We're not built to to house people for long periods. So it could be from 48 to 72 hours max. And in some cases, though, these illegals are allowed to stay in the country, right? Well, that's correct. Yeah. So at some point, then when they if they've rolled their fingerprints and can't identify that they have any um, crimes or stuff like yeah, that. Crimes, crimes. Well, then at that point, you know, if they're claiming asylum, say you were claiming asylum or, or you were told to do that, and so you did, uh, then they, you'll be given the opportunity to claim asylum to an immigration judge at a later date. Truly remarkable. It really is. Scott is with us in San Luis Obispo in California. Scotty, welcome to the program. Hello, George, again. Hi, Vince. Um, uh, thank you for covering this topic, George. Thank so you, I got Scott. two questions for uh, Vince George. Um, sure. So Vince, I'm curious about the famous, um, most dangerous route on the planet called the Darien Gap, which is between Colombia and Panama, which is a rainforest that's full of lethal snakes, slippery rocks, crocodiles, jaguars, scorpions, you name it. Uh, people would rather walk 66 miles where there's no roads, there's no places for any water, any rest. It's one dangerous mission than rather re- uh, return back home. So. Could you tell us, um, the audience, about the dangers of the Darien Gap? And the uh, and also, uh, should we blame members in Congress for accepting illegal immigrants to benefit um, by using illegal immigrants uh, to be reelected in office? Um, you know, because we're, we're giving them a welcome mat, 
and they feel that they they we're 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 bringing them in because they're accepting us, but we're using them. That's what they say. They they'll cross and they say, well, we're coming because we're going to vote in your election. And that's my two questions. Vince. All right, hang hang, hang hang there, Scotty. We'll get some answers for you. Are you familiar at all with this jungle uh, area? No, not at all. That's not an area of expertise of mine at all. My my expertise would be the border patrol career field as a whole. It is amazing, though, that people will risk their own lives to get here. They must really want to get in the United States. Oh, yeah, there's 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 tons of stories of the travel and what it takes to even get to our border and the dangers that they face. Uh, you know, some people get put into the sex trades in, while en in route. And so, yeah, it, the dangers are all over the place. And so people are willing to risk everything just to have an opportunity in America. And we hear stories sometimes, Vince, of how many people are in a truck, a van, for example, or in a truck in the in the back of a trailer, hundreds sometimes stuffed in there, right? Absolutely, sir. And, and sometimes they don't make the trip because of uh, heat conditions or, or whatnot. Joe, Long Island, New York. Take it away, Joseph. Yeah, Vince, I have two questions. First is, these people are coming across and claiming asylum and potentially being from anywhere on the planet. Uh, it doesn't sound like they would want information retrieved about themselves from wherever they were from or, you know, say, for example, high school records, college records, grammar school records, employment records, uh, health records, and that information might not even be available. For example, in Libya, they don't, you know, with the chaos, they don't have a, a central place where they can on their own citizenry within the country. So the idea of being able to retrieve any information, uh, what about that? My second question would be more hypothetical. If someone's trying to cross the border, say, in China, they're 6'5", they're blonde, they're going to stand out like a sore thumb, they're not going to know Mandarin or local dialects, and they're not going to have papers in a country that's very strict on policies like that. So that would be a natural barrier. But uh, are there any natural barriers like that to coming in the United States? I don't know of anybody, Joe, who wants to sneak into China. But what about here, Vince? Yeah, well, for the first one, yeah, that, that's true. With our system that we're able to identify fingerprints, it only comes down to who we're other connected to as well. And so there's easily... Uh, the ability for people to come into this country illegally and not have uh, been able to identify their past because maybe their country doesn't have a solidified system like we do. The only time we can really determine that is if they've come to America previously and have been apprehended and have a criminal record here, or we have a country of connection where someone like Mexico and stuff that we can identify their legal system as well. And so, yeah, that means that there's outliers out there who come across illegally and still get given the uh, asylum uh, uh, notice to appear and entered into this country that has a criminal past that we haven't been able to identify. Is there, is, is, I'm sorry, go ahead, Vince. You're good. And just to his second question, no, I think it's hard to determine, you know, who comes into this country. This country is America, right? And so we have a, the melting pot of, of nations here. And so when people come across illegally, there is no like outlying, like identifiable market. They're like, okay, they're definitely not, you know, there's, there's none of that. It's just anyone who enters outside of a port of entry, they're breaking a law no matter what, and we apprehend them. And then, you know, there's nothing more heartwarming, Vince, than seeing a group of legal immigrants 
doing the Pledge of Allegiance and the getting sworn in to become citizens. I mean, they're like school kids all over again. They're just jumping for joy. Yeah, it, it seems like, you know, anyone who's been through that process of becoming a, uh, you know, a U.S. citizen the legal way, they have more pride in this country than some of our Americans here that are born on our soil. That's true. That's true. It's beautiful to watch them appreciate because they know what they had and where they're going to and the opportunities that are now presented to them. They hold our country in high regard, and I wish that some of our own citizens would do the same. As a Border Patrol agent, did you feel sorry for the illegals when they came over? Yeah, I wouldn't say I felt sorry. I have empathetic views. You know, I am Hispanic, right? I do know at one point my family came across, you know, and all I can do is is do my best to continue to protect this nation. I, I am an American. I serve this country overseas because I believed in our country, and I serve this country here in our own soil because I believe in it. And so, you know, the way I kind of decipher that is you never know who any one of these individuals are. You can't look at their face and say they're a good person or they're a bad person. And the only way to protect this great nation is to stop every single one you can and get them processed and identified who they are. Friend of mine uh, who lives in Las Vegas. His last name is Vargas as well. He's uh, Puerto Rican, uh, born in this country. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of us Puerto Rican Vargases, so we're probably related. I, I bet you might be. You, you might be. There's not uh, not many at all. What do you do next? You're doing your TV show. You're writing books. What's what's yeah. your next project? You know, I'm, I'm probably going to write another book behind this to really, you know, I go, I go through all these interviews and people ask these fascinating questions and some that I never answered in the book. So I want to kind of go back and answer a lot of these questions that I think are important to tell to tell people. To You know, there's people that say, why don't we shoot everyone that comes across? And it's like, well, because we're America and yeah, we yeah, have dignity as a country and exactly. we just have to really understand. And, and, you know, at a time of war, almost two decades, very few actually served in this country. And so... To say that is kind of a, an angry response to the immigration. We're all emotional about it, but we have to. The only way we move this country forward is by having an educated response and an educated understanding of what happens day in and day out without an agenda, without a left or right. It's just really the fact, and then we can make a determination on that. And so my goal is to continue to be a storyteller, is continue to give insight on a subject that I know very well, and I've kind of made it my profession. And then to, to create television shows that I feel have a message that needs to be heard as well. We're gonna, so, all right, we're going to come back in a minute, Vince, and take final calls with you on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back with Vincent Vargas. His book is called Borderline. Vince, are the Border Patrol agents, are they frustrated in their jobs or are they pretty content? No, I think they're definitely frustrated. Uh, they're frustrated from, you know, the media portraying them in a negative light, you know, sometimes the politicians as well. And so it becomes very frustrating to do a job that we know is challenging and complex and to not have the support from them uh, it can be can be tough. And it's a thankless job, too, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for your service and for what you've done. Let's go to the phones. Jay's with us in uh, Hidalgo County, Texas. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jay, go ahead. Hey, good morning, uh, Mr. Nori and Mr. Vargas. Thank you both for your service. Thank Very you, Jay. Topic. Oh, you're welcome. Very important topic, and it's unfortunate we have to talk about this situation that's going on down here. I, uh, uh, in Hidalgo County, tonight I'm working in the area of where uh, McCallum Mission, Texas, if folks can... Uh, look that up and see how close that is there to the 
for instance, the Anzal Duas Bridge. Uh, good to hear a lot of comments and uh, folks uh, called like Joe from New York and Jeff from uh, North Dakota and uh, Brandon from Texas. Now, Brandon from Texas, I'm going to have to disagree with him. I do not believe that uh, Governor Abbott is a traitor. I believe he's one of the few that are standing up and doing what needs to be done. Uh, I believe uh, our government is, is failing to protect uh, to protect us, uh, the citizen and, and property of the United States of America. Uh, maybe you could help me. The question I have, maybe you can help me understand what is the difference between a immigration law and a policy, because I hear a lot of folks who um, complain that we need uh, anti, uh, we need a, Immigration reform, and I'm thinking we've already had laws prior. I don't think any reform, reforming needs to be done. Uh, and maybe a solution to help in this would be, uh, once again, uh, have people wait outside of the country before they come and enter into the United States. Uh, uh, stay in Mexico was, a, I think, a practice that was it was called stay in Mexico. And that could also be used around the world when we have a place. A catastrophe, uh, an emergency, um, Afghanistan, when that fell, uh, we could take folks and have them housed somewhere else temporarily, temporarily, before we get them into our country orderly. Well, I was running out there uh, a mile a minute there. I want to thank you again, and uh, I'll go ahead and take uh, the answer to the uh, difference between policy and uh, immigration laws off, off the air. Thank you, Don. All right. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, the immigration policy, immigration laws, is the same thing. It's the laws will change based on what the policies implemented. The federal government or the Border Patrol themselves are follow whatever the policy is in place. And there can be executive orders that change those, just like we had Title 42 recently, and then it went back to Title 8. And, and so there needs to be reform. Yes, we have laws currently, but those laws have loopholes. Those laws have now been uh, – they're old, and, and and we have identified holes in those systems. Policy change means we need to implement something that does something different for after someone is apprehended by an agent or what happens once they come to America illegally, what is the repercussions of that. And the Border Patrol only follows those policies no different than when a sheriff – uh, pull someone over for speeding, he didn't create the speed limit. I'm sure you created some great friends from the Border Patrol, haven't you? Absolutely, sir. Lifelong friends. It's like the military. You have that relationship and uh, you don't forget. Yes, sir. Richard in Anchorage, Alaska. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, uh, I got a quick question, though. Uh, okay. It's kind of strange to me. I, I lived in Alaska most of my life, but I I traveled, uh, I worked in other countries, most of it. And uh, anyways, I was down there in Apache Junction visiting my mom, and uh, we took a trip down to Yuma. And right there's the, you know, that's right there on the border right there. Then, I know, after we stopped and ate dinner and stuff, and we're going back, you know, going back to her place, Apache Junction there, and got like 30 miles out, there was a, another border patrol we had to go through on the United States side. What kind of border patrol is that? Is that part of the... The regular border patrol, or is that a state border patrol? Or uh, there was a border patrol that had what American flag? They had a uh, they had another border patrol right after you got uh, past Yuma, you know, the town of Yuma there, and uh, there was another uh, border patrol right there. I mean, it was, you know, we had to go through a big old valley, 
and there's probably I don't know two or three hundred cars stopped and waiting waiting to get go through and they were going through our vehicles and stuff and they were yeah. they were all wearing border patrol you know uniforms and stuff they had their dogs and yes sir and stuff like that yeah so that's a border patrol checkpoint they're strategically placed throughout the border about you know, it could be 5, 10, 20 miles north of the border itself. And so those are just border patrol checkpoints that are placed strategically on roads that would usually be leaving border towns so they can have another opportunity to see if there's someone trying to traffic drugs or personnel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's what you're seeing. It's like a DUI checkpoint that you run into every once in a while, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. Same kind of thing. Fausto's with us in Toronto. Hey, Fausto, go ahead, sir. Uh, improvising here, I just wanted to say, I heard uh, your guest a few minutes ago saying that the Mexicans or the ones that come through illegally, they, they know what value they're looking at when they come here and pledge their allegiance. And there's a lot of North Americans or Americans that he said do not value uh, the United States of America. But the ones that do not value the United States of America are what the forefathers called the enemies from within that enjoy seeing our taxes being wasted inefficiently and want to see the implosion of our country, our, our truth, our safety, sanctity of our nation, and uh, everything else in between. Uh, secondly, there's a, there's a, uh, I can't remember the acronym, not to appear or, or the promise to appear. It's more like promise to disappear when only 30% or less of these illegals never show up to prove or disprove that they are illegal. And that's a problem. Like, we can't go to anybody else's country and do these things. Like the guy said, we can't go to China or, 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 or some Asian country and just take up their worst resources, hitting a jackpot, getting a free five-star hotel, showing up with two Apple iPhones, Gucci bags, Air Jordan, $399 <laughs> shoes. This is foolishness. I, if I play scratch and lose, or you call it scratch and win tickets, I don't win in a lifetime. Okay, I did sometimes. But most of you listeners don't win. These people come off the, don't even come off the banana boat. They come in illegally, and geez, with the attitude of entitlement. I had a problem where I was on the floor, and a Mexican in New York told me, your problem is not my problem. I don't give up about you. So when they come in here, they're not clueless. They're not innocent damsels in distress. I wish you would not paint them up as such. They're coming to, to take and to do what we won't do. When the government says, hey, turn against George Norrie, and I say, no, I love my fellow American. I believe in truth, justice, freedom, and the American way, like G.I. Joe, the, the illegal will be like, oh, well, I got a family of five. I don't care about him. I want George's house. I want his job. I, I mean, my goodness, I'm from Canada. I can't get a job in New York because all the Mexicans stole everything, and they're discriminating against non-Mexicans. Why in the world would I want that when that's not a part of our values? He's one of many, Vince, with those kind of views. Oh, I, I get it. You know, I would, I would say one thing to that, that I would change the, the dialogue of saying Mexicans into saying just illegal immigration. You know, the, the Mexican term is used uh, lightly all the time, but the numbers are not or the numbers prove themselves. It's not just Mexicans who come across illegally. It's other than Mexicans, all the southern uh, southern Mexican and southern South American countries, as well as all over the United States. Uh, I, and, and I understand the frustration. Uh, it, the number is actually three percent for the notice to appears. Three percent in recent years is the statistic of who actually shows up for that later court date. 
Here's the $64,000 question, Vince. Can this problem be solved? Yeah, you know, I think the problem is is a little loose right now, and we have to tighten that up. You know, the way I see immigration is uh, – well, uh, the way I see the whole border situation is you have the immigration issue, and then you also have Homeland Security. And I think we are opening ourselves up to a lot of Homeland Security issues if we don't slow down this traffic and really identify who is coming into this country. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Joe, New Hampshire, take it away, Joseph. Yeah, hi. Uh, Thank you so much for having this topic tonight, George. Mr. Vargas, you're to be commended on a very difficult and dangerous situation at the border. But Mr. Vargas is one piece of a massive puzzle. Up here in New England, uh, you name it, overwhelming of illegals just pouring in, and the government's the uh, state governments are complacent in uh, causing the situation. Portland, Maine, uh, just about every town in Massachusetts being overrun in the motels. People that were paying in the hotels are being evicted because the state is paying double or more to have illegal aliens bust in and they just take over the motels. They're not working. Everything is free, food, service, New York State. Look at Mayor Adams of New York City. Uh, You know, up until this year, he was welcoming. It's a sanctuary state. New York City is a sanctuary city. Well, he started uh, complaining about President Biden, Department of Homeland Security's uh, policies they can't take anymore. Please don't send any more to New York City. What was the response? Mayor Adams got raided his home. Uh, they're trying to develop a case against something he might be doing illegally with campaign contributions. But that's telling Mayor Adams, you want to complain about all the hundreds of thousands coming to New York State and the billions of dollars you can't afford anymore to support all these people who don't work? Well, we're going to probably arrest you now. This is a message to everyone else. Don't complain. So, George, have you ever heard of Wayne Allen Root out of Las Vegas, Nevada? I have, yes. Well, he would be one of the best guests you could get. I'm not trying to diminish Mr. Vargas because what he does is very important, but he's one piece of this whole situation. Uh, Wayne Allen Root, I've listened to his show a lot, and he knows a lot about the border and how it's affecting uh, Nevada. And he would be, if you had Tom uh, contact him and maybe get him on the show at a future date, you would really get into this because – Uh, The information you've gotten from the callers and everything tonight is really lukewarm. It's a very, very devastating problem for this country, and our national debt is $34 trillion. The cost of this is at least a trillion a year, and it's going higher and higher as more illegals come in. And I I told the screener how much corruption is involved in this with politics and the Department of Homeland Security to just – Let this happen and encourage it. Most of these illegals get driver's licenses for identification purposes only. But I know for a fact they're using these driver's licenses in Massachusetts and Maine to vote uh, in elections. And maybe that's part of the reason. But I think it's a given that the Mexican government is pretty much controlled by the uh, drug cartels. Well, what's to say that the drug cartels with the billions and billions of dollars involved don't have a foothold here in America? Well, uh, that's true. Let's get to some reaction from Vince, uh, Joe, if we can. Is it no, the, I, go ahead, Vince. Yeah, yeah no, the, the, the cartels definitely have a stronghold on Mexico and as well as, 
you know, just the corruption, corruption runs deep. Who knows, right? That is the question. Who knows how deep that goes even into our own uh, potential in our own country? So, those, I, I, you know, I'm not oblivious to any of that. I, I, I like to speak on the subject that I'm an expert more in because those are, those are definitely obvious concerns of mine. Someone who comes from a tactical background and sees all this stuff, I am nervous about the dangers that have come to this country that we haven't been able to identify that has made our country almost a Trojan horse of its own. Bill, we've got a minute for you. I want to squeeze you in in Los Angeles. Go ahead. Yeah, George, you probably heard today there was some karma today for Gavin Newsom's insane California sanctuary state policy when uh, the nutcase who broke into Nancy Pelosi's house and nearly killed her husband is actually an illegal alien from Quebec who would have been deported years before he attacked Pelosi's husband if, if, if they had been enforcing yep. the, the laws. Yep. So I just want to – there are consequences for this kind of stuff, and that's a, a case from today. No doubt about it. Is it about a trillion dollars costing us taxpayers' events? Uh, I, I don't know if that that number is correct, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it isn't. It's it's definitely it's up there. It's high billions, potentially trillions. Yes. How about your website? It's part of Macmillan Press. Yeah, the Macmillan Press. You know, you can find where to buy the book. You can you can dig deeper into the insight of what a border patrol agent deals with daily. If you were to rewrite the book, is there anything else you would add to it? Yeah, you know, things that come to mind, you know, I would love to have more answers for how we can really uh, attack this robust system and make it better uh, and some of the policies that are currently in place and why they don't work. Uh, I would almost uh, approach it in a different way, but that's why I'm writing a second book behind it to really answer all those questions that I wanted to give the Border Patrol agents the opportunity to have the focus on this book. Well, once again, Vince, thank you for your service, and thank you for what you've done for this country. Thank you, sir. Borderline Defending the Home Front, it's a great read, and if you're concerned about uh, the immigration problem, the illegal immigration problem in this country, it's a great read. Up next, I'll be talking to a Satanist philosopher, Winter Lake, about why he believes what he believes And then we'll take calls with them in our last hour on Coast to Coast. I know many of you have expressed an interest to jump aboard and make a call to him. So please do so. And uh, we'll hear his views when we come back on Coast to Coast AM. 